0: That's patreon.com slash G-A-M-E-F-U-L-L-Y unemployed, which is spelled like it sounds. All you motherfuckers are going to pay. You are the ones who are the ball lickers. We're going to fuck your mothers while you watch and cry like little whiny bitches. We're going to make them eat our shit, then shit out our shit, and then eat their shit that's made up of our shit that we made of meat. And then all you motherfuckers are next. Love, Jameson, Bob.
1: Welcome. Welcome all Hello. to a brand new episode of Old Smith, New Smith.
0: Oh, is that what we're uh, doing? Okay.
1: Yeah, that's what we're doing. I never know. Um, I, never
0: know. I never know. I sit down. <laughs> right.
1: It's and a surprise just, each just, time. It just dawns on you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's the fun. It's the fun of podcasts. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, How... <laughs>
0: it's the fun of the mystery box.
1: <laughs> exactly. Um, I'm I'm one of your hosts, David Bell.
0: I'm another host, Tom Ryman.
1: And up top, we just want to thank at Nerd Numbers, our producer. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much. Thanks for um, producing this podcast. Yeah. Where we are looking at uh, Kevin Smith films mm-hmm. in a very interesting way. We've been um, we started with Clerks. And then we did. We paired it with the Jansaw Bob reboot. Yeah. So what we're doing is we're pairing each one like a like a cheese and a wine. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and and it's like it's like an old old cheese and a really new wine. I guess because yeah. what we're doing is we're 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 that's the,
0: <laughs> that's the way wine pairings normally work. It's exactly. The food, it's the food that's really old.
1: Yeah. No, we're um. Basically, we, we we are taking a an older a newer uh, sorry older Kevin Smith film and then pairing it with one of the newer ones, starting on the outside and working in. Um, and if you remember, we covered Dogma a little while ago.
0: I um, had to be reminded this is... of this many times. Oh yeah, yeah. It's, been a, it's, it's been, been a minute. It's been a while. It's been a while since we since we did the old one Smith two Smith.
1: Yeah, we had a hiatus, and then these these have a, a large rotation anyway uh but that kind of makes them fun for me i know this is not what the podcast's about but uh it's more fun in a weird way because it, it reinvigorates me every time okay uh does that make sense
0: i, I guess so okay. i think so i think so i think that makes <laughs> sense yeah sorry I'm uh, still like, i'm still stuck know, like, on y- like a fucked up uh, lopsided wine and cheese pairing. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> I was going to say, a, it's a...
1: reinvigorating like <laughs> drinking an old cheese d- wine. Old cheese like a wine made of old cheese.
0: A craft single of 1987 paired with this yeah. yellowtail I just bought at Seven Eleven.
1: Yeah. So we covered Dogma, which was from 1999. And we are now closing the gap slowly with 2011's red state yes this is um this was i i think we've been excited for this one
0: yeah i think uh, so for a while i think that's right uh
1: because i don't know about you but i i have this movie i own it but i i've only really watched it maybe once um or rather maybe twice uh and it's been a while this was um this is more than 10 years old which sucks uh yeah i don't like that (laughs) but yeah yeah It's kind of of its time, I would say. I I'm
0: not sure I agree. Uh, Well, no, no, I'm not
1: saying it's dated. I'm not saying it's dated. I'm saying it's of its time in that uh, this was like around the time like Eli Roth style horror was a thing, right? And so like this sort of idea of 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 like
0: this was still a little bit after that, but kind of that's true. That's true. Yeah, this is a little after that. 2006.
1: Yeah, you're right um but it's of that kind of era of like or like that's the offer right and i i don't think it's that um but that's like pr- i i think how they advertised it right is it's just like they okay may, this is like
0: they may have i don't really remember i i remember the buzz i remember about this movie was that it was like the the first time that kevin smith was going to it was a horror film from kevin smith or rather, right, and more and that's more of a thriller wild. but so it was like a, the first time he was really doing a departure from his Comedy, a little bit of drama, but mostly comedy. Um, um, yeah. Which is uh, just to say, hole, this I has guess. comedy
1: in it. Like th- Watching this again, it felt more Kevin Smith than I had remembered. Um, and I think that's maybe because he's since made Tusk and other things that like uh, Yoga Hosers, where it's like his, his his style now is a little broader in my mind. But at the time, for fucking sure, Like, what did he done? What did we cover? Um, Oh, no, he had just done uh, Cop Out, right? I think so. Yeah, we're going backwards. Uh, So, yeah, this was, like, very unusual, Mm -hmm. for sure, like you're saying. Yeah. Um, That's all to say.
0: I think it it was, like, his first, like, super independent movie in a while, too.
1: Yeah. Um, And it was sort of like, it felt like Kevin Smith being like, yeah, I could direct if I want to. (laughs) like like uh, yeah i could do other things Mm -hmm. Uh, i don't i don't want to but like here yeah here's a horror movie sure
0: um and i think Uh, it really to me it really only sounds like kevin smith in two scenes and that's like the very first scene and the very last scene
1: oh i don't fully agree with that but uh i don't think that's a bad thing i liked this movie watching it again I was kind of waiting to be like, "Oh, is this movie not going to be as good as I remember?" No, I really liked it.
0: It was. Uh, it it was managed act-
1: to surprise me again because <laughs> I had forgotten how abrupt the deaths are.
0: I still. Rem- That's interesting. I only saw this movie once. Um, I also really like it, and it was actually better than I remembered it being when I watched it this time.
1: Yeah, yeah I, that might be correct.
0: Um, but uh, I did remember, like, pretty much everybody gets murked except for John Goodman. Like, I remembered so. the the abruptness and the the shockingness of the death, not shocking in that they're violent. It's just you follow some characters for a while and you think they're going to be main characters and then they just will get very suddenly shot.
1: Right. I remembered all of them except for the guy and girl at the end. I had forgotten about that. (laughs) And so that's why, and and when it happened, I was like, right, fuck. Like, and I knew in somewhere in my mind, like, yeah, this is, like I knew about the other deaths. I knew that this was known for that. Yeah. We're taking these left turns. Like this is kind of structurally an anti-movie, um, but I think there that's a point. There's a point there. Um, you know, yeah, like he's saying I, a lot about violence. He's saying a lot about um, narratives. I would
0: specific about what about narratives oh, yeah. specifically. Narratives in situations like these, because it's very obviously a, a parallel to, like, Ruby Ridge or Waco. Um, yes. So it's a lot about that. And it's about... It's, like, media narratives, but also, like, the narratives that we sort of invent for ourselves in day-to-day lives to, like, protect ourselves as being the good guys and otherwise other groups as, as being the bad guys. Because um, we, right. we get, like, three of those perspectives, right? We start with the teens... Who are your typical Kevin Smith idiot teen characters? Who all they care about is just going out and meeting up with this woman for some random sex, uh, right. and it's like they're a little homophobic. One of them is cousin
1: Greg. Cousin one, Greg. One
0: of them is cousin Greg. Yeah, but they're, they're like Which, a little perfect role. Yeah,
1: perfect role for him.
0: They're a little homophobic, they're a little... but they're not like totally so. Like, and then well, obviously, yeah. they get trapped it, by the the church. And the church has their viewpoint where, like, everybody that's not following any other law other than what it says is in the Bible is, like, totally crazy to them. It doesn't make any sense. Right. Um, so, it, and then when the ATF shows up, the dynamic shifts again, where it's like the ATF is like, okay, it's all the bad guys are in there and we're the good guys. But then also they have to, they're given orders to murder everybody in the building to protect the narrative for the media that they're going to build. So I think this man this movie is a lot about um just it's about a few things it's about a few things yeah (laughs) it's 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 a lot about all those things i just said yeah maybe you should take over because i need to regain my train of thought here
1: yeah sure i mean it's kind of about dogma which we'll get to it is yeah to an extent it's about what people do when they believe yeah because the government is no different um but it's it's so right. He follows an order that seen... he
0: knows is morally wrong, but he does it because he believes in the chain of command. He believes in protecting yeah. the integrity of government institutions, et cetera, et cetera.
1: Yeah, this movie. So, for people who haven't seen it, I'll just say right away, uh, it's it's a big old trigger warning in that the premise of the film. So it's very 2011 in in another way, which is that. It's a. I don't want to call it naive, but it's it like oh right, naive. Westboro, right? It is because it's it's the idea is what if the Westboro Baptist Church had guns and was actually killing people? And it's like, and it's very funny because it's about like right wing. Ultra conservative and ultra uh, religious yeah. terrorism. And it's just like, oh, yeah, this is just something that exists now.
0: Right. Um, it is. That's, yeah, that's the thing that's the most dated about it because it's treating this belief system like ultra right wing, super white supremacist, fringe. homophobic. Yes, it's treating it as fringe. And this is mainstream now.
1: Yes. Uh, 12 it's years also. Very naively, I I I mean, I like the scene, but the agents at the end is is like they I don't the the U.S. is not good with white supremacists or uh, no Christian or anything with light skin terrorism. They don't treat it the same
0: way. It was a weird. It was weirdly like almost an Aaron Sorkin moment.
1: Yeah, it's like wishful thinking. But Um,
0: it it was still meant to be like kind because this movie's also about gray areas. And about how, like, though that dogma and those narratives that we follow shield us from consequence and sort of shield us from having to view anything from anybody else's perspective. So even when it shifts to one of the members of the church, which they're all evil, homophobic, anti-Semite white supremacists, you still kind of feel for the woman, the young woman who's trying to get all the little kids out. Um, So So you're able to sort of and then and then also when she's saying the government is going to come in here and murder us all to protect their their version of the truth because they don't want any witnesses. Like we know that we as the audience know that she is right. Like that's not like that is what they're going to do.
1: Oh, yeah. So like what this movie does, again, if you haven't seen it. Is it starts with these horny kids just trying to get laid, um, these like little sh- this little shitbag kids. Yeah. This is like I don't know in middle America. I forget where it is. It's they they have southern drawls. Some of them. Um, oh
0: man, where was it?
1: I forget. It might be Texas. Um, but the point being that they go to this trailer to get laid, and they get drugged by this woman, and they <laughs> wake <laughs> up Leo. in a cage.
0: Yes, it's Melissa Leo. <laughs> they, w-
1: they wake up in a cage, and there's this basically westboro baptist church uh sermon happening michael parks is continuing like i don't know why only kevin smith can see how great this guy is because he's in other stuff but not nearly enough uh because he's just giving a sermon and he's like there's kids there and he's like they all love him and they're all smiling and then like in this scene which is quite good this extended scene, you kind of slowly realize, like, I like how he does it with the shots, that there's something draped in a cloth uh, that is clearly a man, and they kill this man. Um, They wrap him in plastic and shoot him because he's gay, which, again, all the trigger warnings here. Like, it's supposed to be upsetting, and it is. Yeah. Um, And so these three kids are like, it's, this feels like Eli Roth, right? It's like, how do we get out of here? And this is where it very much isn't, is that (laughs) most of those kids just uh, like two out of three, immediately, almost immediately, die. Right? Yeah. Um, and what? And so the the second thing that happens is we see um they do this thing where they swipe they side swiped the sheriff's car, um, and it's another it's so many left turns because the sheriff uh, turns out to be uh, Stephen Root, cl- closetedly gay, and Stephen Root,
0: and Stephen, and Root. so
1: he, and so the the Westboro Baptist guy the michael phelps basically
0: michael parks um,
1: michael parks whatever
0: <laughs> michael phelps is an olympic swimmer
1: same thing dude it's they're both they're both they both creep me out <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. Listen, um they um they uh uh he blackmails the sheriff and you think that's gonna mean something but it doesn't he just uh, he basically calls the atf and John Goodman is that, and they show up, and then we get yeah, we get a standoff. We get Waco, yeah. Um, and what the first thing that happens there is one one of the kids who's like been playing dead, who we've been following, like oh, is he going to escape? Runs out and is immediately shot by the ATF, who's like, oops. Well, he's actually oh shot, no, they're shot, shot by, by the st- sheriff. Sheriff yeah.
0: Stephen Root, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was the kid so, that we had been following, kind of as the de facto main character up until this point. Right, they're and then dead. they switch to
1: a. N- they switch to another one of the kids, so you're like, "Oh right, there's that kid." Mm-hmm. So we still got something to grasp onto. The kid who's been like, he's been the next to be executed, and he's just been hung up on this uh, cross. The yeah, whole time.
0: it's um, uh, Kyle Gallner from um, the Nightmare on Elm Street remake and uh, Jennifer's Body.
1: Right, um, and so then the it becomes this thing where the ATF's like, we have to kill them all because we like they literally have the press release already. Uh, Right,
0: and this is the orders that John Goodman receives, and he clearly objects and doesn't agree with it, but he goes along with it, ultimately.
1: Right. Um, And so then they're in a big shootout, and then one of the um, daughters of this shitty church is like, we have to get the kids out, because the whole church, they're all just like ready to go to Jesus, right? That's the idea. They're a death cult. Yeah. Yeah. And this one girl who's young enough, she's still brainwashed, but she realizes like I need to get these young kids out. And you you feel for not quite I don't quite feel for her, but you feel for the kids in her cause. You
0: understand what she's trying to do, and understand that okay, this is this is the kids don't know any better, right? right Exactly this this should sort of transcend any conflict that's going on right now.
1: (laughs) It should be noted. I want to note that those kids were going to get killed for just like fornication, Um, and I want to talk about that in a second but um so then uh she teams up with the kid who was kidnapped and you're like okay this is the movie um and they're trying to get out and they approach john goodman and then john goodman's second in command just kills them both yep uh and 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 so you're like oh okay and so the shootout keeps happening and then there's just a horn a, a big terrifying horn and it's the rapture And so uh, uh, the cultists all come out not armed, and they're like, it's happening. The rapture's happening. It doesn't matter anymore. And I want to note that Kevin Smith's original ending was to have the rapture. Uh, Did you know about that, Tom?
0: I didn't, and that bums me out a little bit.
1: No, no. But the way he wanted to do it was that the first thing that happens is a sword splices through Michael Park's So the rapture happens, but it's not on Michael Uh, Parks' side. Okay, because I was going to
0: say, if the rapture had happened the way the movie was going, it would have made him and his followers correct.
1: Exactly. So the idea, I think Kevin Smith wanted... He wanted the last shot to be a sword going through Michael Parks, from what I remember, and it coming out, and there's the fucking angel behind him, and then you see the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And basically, uh, the studio, whoever, was like, so you want to, like... Raise our budget by <laughs> by like how many million for the last thirty seconds of the movie? And he was like, Okay, never mind. Um, so they didn't do it. But yeah, it wouldn't have been like they're right. It would have been it like have the been rapture happened kind and it hates of, them.
0: yeah, it would have still been kind of their right, or more I think it would have been more ambiguous than would have been yes. responsible with a movie like right. this. Right.
1: Because what the movie is doing is like everybody's damned at this point. Yeah. They're all killing each other. Um, and so the and idea all is of everybody, there's no good
0: people. Right. Everybody kind of makes, when pushed into a corner where they can make the proper moral choice or not, everybody makes the wrong choice.
1: Right. But instead, it's this big rapture moment and Michael Parks is really close to John Goodman ranting and then it just cuts to John Goodman explaining to his bosses how he headbutted him, yeah. which is very funny, and how it was some like hippies next door, <laughs> like a, uh who just like um did a prank basically who is like in a neighbor war with the um, right
0: it's like this uh the church they he they th- they thought they were like an eco collective but they're actually just growing pot They're just growing Weird, weed yeah so yeah they just they hooked up an old fire station horn to an ipod and it sounds right it sounds like in the movie it sounds creepy like it's unsettling it does
1: Um, And so it's it's kind of like the ending of Burn After Reading that they're all just it's two agents and John Goodman just sort of talking out what happened. (laughs) And uh, ultimately, they arrested them instead of killing them because they're kind of on the spot. Um, And um, He's like, uh, and the agents are like, yeah, I mean, they're going away forever. Like, we're not, there's no trial. We can disappear these people. It's Patriot
0: Act. Right, like, because they're terrorists, like this is... we can throw them in jail for the rest of their life without even charging them with anything. And this is
1: the Sorkin part where they're like, yeah, they're terrorists. This is how we treat terrorists. Well, and it's like, it's a, yeah, this is how we treat brown terrorists, but sure.
0: It's a little Sorkin in the ways that we said, but it's also another extension of that theme of there's no good guys. Because that is, a, yeah. throwing somebody away in jail, for, disappearing somebody into prison for the rest of their life without charges or a trial, without due process, is still wrong. That's bad. Oh yeah, that's still, real bad. That's still wrong. That's like sinister as fuck. Um, of course. And yeah. then
1: I do like that the agent that he's like, "Why did you order for me to kill them all then? If you could do that?" And he's like, "Cause fuck them." Yeah. <laughs> like, which again, uh, very unrealistic, but it was very funny to have the agents be like, "Yeah, fuck these guys.
0: They suck." I don't think uh, it's yeah. unrealistic. Because like yeah uh, no I mean
1: I don't think I I, it's more of the fact that this country was founded on like uh, versions of white supremacy and Christian fundamentalism where it's like I can see the agents doing that I don't think they'd be necessarily doing it to this group.
0: Probably um, not this group, but the attitude yeah. of "fuck it, let's just go in and shoot them." Like, who cares about them or their? Oh yeah, cause, we do that all the we time. We do it all the time. So it's like they're. That's specific- what we
1: did to Bin Laden, and no, we nobody fucking
0: nobody. Yeah, cared. but like cops do it all the time. Um, it's it's yeah. just a thing that law enforcement does all the time. So I do not Yeah. But you're right. The part that's Sorkin, the part that's hard to believe is that they're doing this to this all white Christian nationalist cult. It's like no, they would probably never. I mean, unless it was no. I mean, obviously, it's Waco, so it's like David. That whole group was pretty much all white, right? Um, it's no, anyway. it's
1: not impossible that it happens. I mean, Timothy McVeigh. The FBI actually takes white nationalism very seriously. Well, t- it's just the rest of the country doesn't as much. Right, right,
0: right. Um, but yeah,
1: we're also. It's just like this. This is like still this scorched earth method. I just don't see as like their specific
0: justification for, Oh fuck these people. They're like Fred Phelps. They, they, they hate, I, I don't think the ATF would murder a bunch of terrorists because the terrorists are homophobic. Like, I don't think that would ever yeah, be their justification. Exactly. It would be the fucking. And we they don't, don't like these people.
1: Right. And at that point, they don't even know that they killed people. Nope. Uh, when they make that order, they never, so, know. Yeah, it,
0: they actually never yeah. know. So the, the, they there's a character Jacob Harlow I think who we never see but like the movie begins and we learn that he was a gay student at the high school where the three initial main characters go and he was killed and it was heavily hinted to be a hate crime because Michael Parks's whole group is like picketing his funeral just like Westboro Baptist Church um yeah. but that and and then we learn later of course that Michael Parks and his and his gang did in fact kill Jacob Harlow but that murder never gets solved it's like the right. initial injustice um even and even in that first scene I wanted to talk about real quick uh, when the teacher is like lecturing the class about homophobia being wrong and like you know we need to care for this nice student who was murdered and it and and she's talking about how Michael Parks's group is bad because they push hate she still makes a homophobic joke to the students
1: oh yes so <laughs> I want to talk about laugh? that there's a couple things Kevin Smith does in this that's very smart and that's one of them which is that he shows the incremental steps, which is that he starts with like casual homophobia, right? yeah, the kind that he does in his own movies, yep, um, and he's you know, he's not coming down on it. I mean, he is, and he isn't, like because the thing that he does is he keeps taking it and going one step further, yeah, and what I mean by that is that the whole idea of this movie is that if people are outside protesting gay funerals what's the next logical step they don't have they don't care about these people's lives so they don't care about exterminating them it's the thing it's the thing that we try to do all the time with like anti lgbtq laws and like the way we're treating trans people now is when you finish their thought for them you realize the next step is horrifying and that's what kevin smith is saying he's like well th- these these people like what's next for them they'll probably just fucking start killing them, right? Like, that's where it goes. So he just shows all – because he starts with, like, casual homophobia and then, like, really fucking uh, intense homophobia and then all the way to just straight up killing people because of who they are. Um, He also does something that's, I think, fucking ahead of its time, um, which is that uh, I noted that the kids that they capture – they aren't gay. One of them starts screaming, I'm not even gay, when they're trying to kill him uh, because he fornicated. And I, I think what he's pointing out that's really smart is how this also affects everyone eventually. It's the, it's the idea... Nowadays, the, the very good comparison is TERFs. Is that TERFs just slowly align with fascists. <laughs> and like it's that thing where like the, the idea of a turf. Uh, trans exclusionary Radical feminists Is like we're just we just believe this one Little thing right that's their idea But that always Always just rolls and Like snowballs into straight Up fascism homophobia Ultimately it's always that Right yeah um, and this Is about that idea which Is that like the the anti Gay uh, uh, like this agenda Always ultimately Just keeps going right? It's the same way we see with, like, you know, a lot of laws right now. The anti-abortion laws yeah. or the anti-grooming quote, grooming, where they're like, oh, we just we just care about kids. And then suddenly it's like, oh, these laws are also going to apply to adults now. Like, they'll just keep going mm-hmm. uh, until they just get this, like, fucking uh, Christian fundamentalist fascist state that they want where it's like, they don't actually care about the things they're saying they just want this control specific people and that's what they're showing right is this idea that's like oh these kids they don't care as much because it's like oh that's about gay people and then it real they realize like it's it affects them that's the idea and then it creates this huge cycle of violence where at the end there's this girl who's like we got to get the kids out because when the ATF joins in they're not any better so it's sort of about how this whole thing snowballs and how hate um just keeps fucking creating more and more hate.
0: And how you're a willing participant even if you don't realize it. Like with the teacher in the beginning um, sticking up for, um, you know, presenting as an ally of of LGBTQ rights, but then also making homophobic jokes to her class. John Goodman understanding that storming the compound and murdering everybody is bad uh, but still going along with it because it's the orders he's following, which feeds into the paranoia that these far right groups have about the government. It just, you're confirming what they, they um, believe. So it's feeding into their, that belief and making it easier to recruit more members and making it easy for that, those hateful views to perpetuate. And then all the way to the end with the two uh, agents that are debriefing John Goodman. And even though they're talking about like throwing Michael Parks and his guys in jail for the rest of their lives, because they're terrorists and they, and they hate gay people fuck those guys they suck but then also they make like graphic prison rape jokes about michael parks being in jail now right so they're still making homophobic jokes but they're so they're they're contributing to it and they're distancing themselves from it because they're singling on the fact that michael parks was anti-gay even though you know he he shot a bunch of uh presumably straight white atf agents and was you know anti-government like anti-atf them specifically they're still like separating themselves from uh, the the equation when the reality is what you said like it, it all like it, it affects like allowing hate hateful rhetoric and hate groups like this to perpetuate it, it eventually affects every single person
1: right the, yeah and and uh it's very good job, very good job with that. Um, I also think the use of the Kevin Smith of it all. So, like you, you kind of mentioned it now with the agents is that there's a lot of casual mm-hmm. conversations within the horror, which I think is important too because it's about the normalization of these things. Right. Um, and that's where I disagreed about that. There, I think there's Kevin Smith stuff in the middle on purpose, specifically where the ATF agents are all talking outside
0: with fucking Kevin Kevin Pollack. Kevin Pollack, who gets blown away (laughs) after about 120 seconds in the film.
1: He gets shot in the face. Um, That's a very Kevin Smith sequence. I love, by the way, this cast, fucking Steven Root and John Goodman going at it. Just like, come on, man. But like he's doing a very specific thing. Yeah, you got two Coen
0: Brothers veterans in this film. Yeah.
1: He's doing a very specific thing, and he does even a meta joke, in my opinion, which is when we first see John Goodman, he wakes up, right? And what one of the, the only time this happens in the movie, it says the time right. Mm-hmm. It says like four something a.m. Uh, it does that in the clerk's text. Did you notice that?
0: Uh, I didn't, but now that you mention it, I do now.
1: Yeah, and I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I I don't think so because directors have nothing but time to think of these things. I think he's trying to show this is our Dante in that this is a man. Who's just at work? He's not even supposed to be here today. Like, it's that's what it's the only use of that text in this. Um, And the only time it does a clerk's cut because it cuts to black and shows the text. It's very much clerk's. Mm -hmm. And I think he's trying to show that about John Goodman is like, this is just a guy trying to get through the day.
0: Right. He's just at work. Um, Yeah, he's just at work. Ultimately, he, he follows his orders. He does the horrible thing that he's told to do.
1: Right. And that's just such a meta way of showing that. Um, because only if you've seen Clerks would you maybe pick up on that because it does like make your mind just go there automatically. <clears throat> um, so I just thought that was interesting because he is showing like this idea of, you know, within this horror, people who just don't care or they just um, oh are just yeah. going about their day.
0: There's another example when the the initial main character is either named Trevor or Travis. I can't remember, but he's he's. Heading out for the night to go meet up with Melissa Leo with his other two friends for what they think is sex, and his parents, um, his mom and dad, and a gun is his mom. Skyler, yeah, Skyler.
1: From <laughs> yeah. yeah, a lot of TV people and in Skyler this for some White. reason.
0: Um, they, his mom and dad are watching the evening news of Michael Park's group, pro, you know, right. picketing the the kid's funeral, this this teenage kid's funeral, and they're not paying any attention. They're just like. We're, they're they're like hey we're on this we're on tv we're on this broadcast so they're just excitedly waiting for when they're seen driving through the background of this pro this picket this yeah. protest of a kid's funeral it's like yeah you're and then they get all excited when they see themselves and not hearing a single thing that the broadcast is saying about this terrible right. hate crime and then they look up at their kid and they're like you're gonna tell all your friends that we're that we're famous now
1: right that's perfect because he is that's what he's talking about he's He's talking throughout the film about this like blind eye, this mm-hmm. normalization. The idea that they're not even fucking they're not watching this newscast and going this is horrifying. Um this is just American TV now. Uh and like the <laughs> great evidence of that is the fact that this film feels a little quaint. <laughs> yeah. Like it's just like fuck, man. Um, yeah, like really I don't know, man. This is this is uh I think this is a very good movie if you can stomach it cuz it is so an upsetting I. movie.
0: Yeah, it is. It is. Um, um it's just it's thematically you could upsetting. argue like the yeah, the, the, vi- yeah. the violence isn't extreme um but it's thematically yeah, you, upsetting.
1: Yeah, and you could argue like he is saying a he is saying a lot here, but if you already know it and it's upsetting to you to watch then there's no point. You know, um and like he he directs it very well, but I would say, like, you know, a mo- movies like Green Room has come out since. Um, and, like, I feel like those are similar ideas. Um, like, his his use, I think he's pretty good with tension in this. Like, I I, I think he did a good job. Uh, I think Tusk he directed better. Um, well,
0: Tusk is more...
1: But Tusk I don't feels really... more like a straight...
0: Well, I don't even want to say straightforward, but... I don't know. There's, there's. Still, uh,
1: Tusk, I don't like Tusk as much because Tusk is a fucking bummer. That, yeah. I just think this is this is obviously his first. Um, it is really, you know. it
0: is really good though. Like it was. I it was, is very good. Like I was really, really. I had forgotten again how well directed it is, um, and how surprising yeah, I that think, is for uh, Kevin. Like he's he's got a lot of frantic handheld shots that are, yeah. have the potential to be, you know... He
1: moves the camera, something he never did before. Yeah,
0: and he plays around with angles. Like, the entire... Almost... Not the entire, but, like, the first chunk of Michael Park's initial uh, sermon is shot from a low angle. Yeah. Um,
1: and like I said, like, you slowly... He directs it in a way that you slowly realize that there's someone covered in a sheet. Like, it, it it's, it's well, very also, well done in a... And, um,
0: yeah, and the angle also... It, it, it suggests... It lets you know right away kind of the power structure and what's happening, um, yeah, yeah. it's
1: also the lack of music, the sort of tone in the room. I think they do a very good job at like you know it's fucked up because you start with this guy in a cage, but he does a very good like I think the way shooting it in almost like a uh, like a very I, normal I, like it, it's yeah, like it's just a normal sermon, like if out of context. You might not know what's happening, right you might not see them as monsters like it's the way he's shooting it and the way he's treating it where it's like he's not playing it up, he's not trying to put scary music on it no um and so like it just sort of un it just sort of happens you know right, and um, it's
0: during the sermon, he's showing all like the the families and and the young people and the kids and the yeah. babies and the in the in the pews, and I don't think. I, I might be wrong, but I don't think you fully see the person wrapped up on the cross until the guy in the cage fully pulls the blanket off.
1: Maybe. I think I, I, I think you, you see, see glimpses a of bit, it, yeah. But it's also his sermon gets more and more hateful, too. Right. It, it, it's a very, yeah.
0: The noose is tightening um, in, in kind of both what you're seeing and what you're hearing. Yeah. Um. It's a good... Man, he... I said this in the Tusk episode, um, but there's he, Kevin Smith's writing really takes on a dimension in this movie and in Tusk that he doesn't, that you don't normally see from him, and it's specifically with monologues for Michael Parks, and there's just yes. some sort of juice there that's just so good, like Kevin Smith gets into this real. He just writes so well for these characters that this specific actor plays, and then he those
1: monologues. He can do, yeah, he can do horror. Lines. Yeah. He can do horror surprisingly well as a writer. Yes, um, yeah. Yeah, it's very weird. He also, I would argue, he can write Kevin Smith dialogue for adults, and what I mean by that is, like, you know, dick jokes and, and comic book shit. Less but references. He can also,
0: it's, like, less referential. Yeah, but he
1: can... He can still do, mm-hmm. like there's the line where uh, they, they're outside the ATF and the guy goes, how much do you think a cross like that costs on a big cross? And, or uh, they're looking at, yeah, a giant cross. And John Goodman goes, you mean in dollars or common sense? Like little lines like that that feel like Kevin Smith lines, but just like a little more, a little more like refined, yeah. a little more like he's writing for very serious adult people uh, who are still like sarcastic. And still feel like kind of Kevin Smithy, but it's a different version of that. And he's doing a good job. Yeah. Um, And again, it works really well when the ATF is like just jackasses, like just kind of at work. Yeah. um, They're just a bunch of dudes. Yeah. Because that's, I think that's where he gets where the horror works with his writing, which is like people talking in casual ways while horrifying things are happening at the same time uh it's it's, like i can see that working you know yeah
0: it's horror invading moments of normalcy um yeah it's like a a a trope kind of or like a tactic i guess you know it's 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 uh yeah you know you guys know it it's it's the the woman the, the woman in final destination stepping into the street and getting hit by a bus like it's that kind of surprise but it also kind of intentionally or not ties into the theme of the movie where it's, they're doing all these things to preserve the normalcy of the situation, but the, the what's going on just simply can't be kept outside for very long.
1: Right. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's very good.
0: Yeah. I think, I think so. This is, uh, I remembered liking Uh, it, but man, it was way more, uh, I, it was way better than I had remembered for sure.
1: Right. And the ending is very cathartic. We didn't even mention, which Mm -hmm. is, uh Michael Phelps the swimmer um mm-hmm. yep. in uh the prison cell and he's just preaching still and you sort of realize like like it's they do a good job with this which is his first sermon you don't like him and he seems out of his mind but he's like preaching to people and then the second one he's just alone in the cell and you realize like oh okay he's he's like cuckoo bananas
0: right he's just a crazy <laughs> like, <laughs> guy singing to himself yeah.
1: and then it's just him doing that and then you hear a prisoner <laughs> And the next cell just go, shut the fuck up. Which is Kevin it's Smith. Kevin Smith, yeah. yeah Perfect and then delivery. Cu- and then credits, um, which is a, a nice punctuation on that character. But still um, on
0: theme, too. Yeah. Because it's still about distancing and normalcy and what people will put up with and turn a blind eye to. And when you pluck Michael Parks out of that situation and into this context, it just makes it easier for people to do and, and easier for us to forget just how dangerous he is if given space right like he's ridiculous in that moment and the other prisoners don't they don't care what he's talking about because they just want to fucking sleep or what you know because we're all in jail and shut up (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) yeah it's a neat film if you haven't seen it yet um and you're uh i don't know that's the kind of style of film because again it is it's upsetting yeah um but it's very well crafted for what it is um it's uh, it's ninety minutes, you know, and it should it's be even
0: less, actually. Yeah, like, uh, it, and it's
1: not—it's not a movie that needs to be longer than that.
0: The credits roll at like eighty-two minutes. Wow! Like it moves. This movie moves fast.
1: Yeah. Um. Should we talk about how it compares with Dogma?
0: Yeah, I mean, I feel like a lot of people who have seen both films or listened to both episodes are probably already <laughs> anticipating a lot of what we're going to say. But
1: yeah, I mean, the one. So obviously, it's a look at. Religious dogma being twisted for violent reasons <laughs> it's a topical take on religion I would uh, like it was dogma I think was topical for its time and so was yeah. this um, I do want to point out that both movies in my opinion do, do the thing where it f- goes to the next logical step and what I mean by that is like red state is taking the these these this homophobic group and saying, okay, what's next? And dogma is kind of doing that with the biblical stuff um, with these angels with like, what what would they do next? Like, yeah, fire and brimstone shit um, where it's taking, OK, this is the dogma. So what does the dogma say? Let's con- let's extend it. Um, and so there's a there's a version of that. There's, of course, there's just the idea of these characters using the wrath of God in a, the wrong way, like Loki and. Um, uh, Bartleby mm-hmm. also d- kind of doing what this family is doing like you, under the idea of like yeah we're doing God's work but they're not
0: I think there's another element there of uh, <clears throat> obviously dogma and 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 how people do terrible things in the name of in the name of belief as well you know as well as good things so the dogma's more about the totality of it, whereas red state is focusing on the all specifically the evil things that people do in the name of belief. Yeah. And not just with Michael parks and his five points, I think it's the name of his group, his five points ministry, but also with the ATF. Um, and then there's another element in dogma of, you know, the gray areas of like, we follow both, Bethany and that whole group like the good guys and we follow Bartleby and Loki for most of the movie and it's not clear necessarily for most of the movie that they're really the villains do you know what I mean like it's like it escalates like we're 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 still we're kind of sort of on their side a little bit because like Jason Lee is the clear villain as Asriel kind of manipulating them to exploit this loophole and really they're just kind of like we can recognize that you know, they got kicked out for feeling sorry for humans and and objecting to like, you know, right. Um, but then you know, it, it obviously it escalates until they're just full full blown villains. But it does sort of play around with the idea of allowing yourself to see a conflict from a few perspectives and understand that like a kill em all or a, or a, a you know just just completely destroy the other side is not the right thing to do regardless of, of what you, how righteous you think your position is. Uh, if that makes yeah.
1: sense. Yeah.
0: Um, because it does seem like at the end of dogma that God forgives Bartleby and Loki. Yeah, um, I believe so. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's how I interpret it. And I think that's where we both landed in that episode. Yeah, I think so. So it's even dogma was saying, it's like, well, even though like they were essentially the bad guys at the end and we were kind of fighting, our our heroes are sort of fighting against him. It's not really up for us to judge whether or not they get to continue to exist. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's that's at least that's how I'm reading it. And and that's, those are the two big similarities that I see between these films. Oh yeah.
1: They also both have, I don't know, gunfights. Um, this, God. I mean, the, the finale, it's, it is
0: very <laughs> interesting to watch how Kevin Smith filmed an action sequence. There's a couple of action sequences in Dogma, but they're, they're not very adeptly filmed or staged. Yeah, versus uh, how, he's doing, it how here. he's doing it here. And this movie, it's like, it's very well done. Like, he really it does wh- handle the action well, I think.
1: I think so, only because he doesn't need the action to be act- like. I wouldn't even call it action. It's technically action, but he's he's shooting. It's a shootout, and it's not like cool. No, you know what I mean. It's just people getting shot at each other. So like, he doesn't do anything like. That's what I was saying. Is like, I think this is well directed. I think he gets better with Tusk because I don't think I think he could have been a little more adventurous with this, but uh, you know, it's his first. Non comedy, I get first it. First thriller, um,
0: yeah, yeah. But he does it very because well. I do think he does it very well. He
1: does it well. He's not like doing anything that over the top. Like no. he does the their Darren Aronofsky camera a few times. Um, but I don't uh, like. That's actually kind of what I like about it is that he's not trying to be like you know look at me, look at what I can do. Like like again, I think um, the um, the first sermon is a good example of less is more.
0: Right, uh, He's and not- it's
1: like, yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad he wasn't trying to be like Tarantino or doing no. something nuts. Yeah, like I'm glad less was more. And I don't know if he did that because he wasn't sure or that he was very sure. Either way, it works really well. And the gunfights, similarly, are just kind of shot very straightforward, but they they're cut together in a very good way, mm-hmm. and it all flows. And like
0: the editing is very good in this film. Yeah, um, it's, it's well done. There, I, yeah, I just wanted to elaborate on that in just, I feel like it's not, you're right in that it, it's, it's, it's nice. I think. Um, and also wise that he didn't set out to sort of craft any kind of like stylistic signature or fingerprint for himself. You know, like you can tell you're watching a Tarantino movie because he does these very stylistic things right. that are very unique to him. And then, you know, other direct, like Robert Rodriguez, um, right. Uh, we and talked he, about
1: yeah. this. Oh no. Sorry.
0: Yeah. Um, so like he's not doing any of that. He's just picking, very basic techniques uh, to get across like the chaos of a foot chase to this house, the chaos yeah. of the gunfight, um, the sort of the gradual tension and terror of the sermon scene. Um, it's he's do he's, he's picking very, you know, pretty basic techniques to, to shoot all of those scenes, but he's executing them very well.
1: Yeah. Not, to, not to pick on Tarantino, but, so this movie came out like I was still in touch with a lot of film school people. And we talked about this in recent podcasts. There was the Guy Ritchie of it all, where artful filmmaking for a while was seen as loud. Making uh, loud
0: choices, yeah. Yeah,
1: Old Boy is another one. And these are good movies. Don't get me wrong. These are good directors. But what that created is, and this is the reason like Tarantino often bothers me, is because he won't even he's too busy being loud that he'll miss some of the obvious decisions you should be making. Like I, I would argue some of his scenes, some of them are very good. Like obviously the opening of inglorious bastards, he knew not to be loud.
0: Great though, scene. Right. Yeah. But
1: even then at the end, I believe when she's like running away, the music is swelling. Like his, his issue to me is he always likes, like like blast music at me in scenes where I was like, this should have been more tension and more quiet the the music Um,
0: the music swelling in the way that it does with the shots that he picks like he does the searchers shot and then this yeah it's it's i think the purpose of that was to let you know that hey this is a western because you wouldn't have figured it out
1: um, right but anyway but
0: but other i generally i do agree with you that he does that a lot
1: yeah and like for me it's uh, it's all taste but it gets in the way for me sometimes where i'm like man this would have been a better scene if you didn't involve yourself in it um kevin smith and that's that's the thing is i remember this movie coming out and actually getting the arguments with film school people who like wanted it to be louder who is like why didn't he do like this is intense music for like the sermon scene and it's like because he's fucking because the intensity right is in his thing. words like <laughs> yeah and
0: he knows and he knows his strength is his writing so he's right, filming the story- shot in a way that's focusing you on what michael parks is saying
1: Right, and historically, that's the better filmmaking tactic, right? Like, this loud, that loud style, I think, is more flash in the pan. And again, the people who do it well, I love Old Boy. I'm sitting next to an Old Boy poster, but that's a very loud movie, right? Um, uh, And so, like, it works, but it's not something everybody should be doing, and you have to use it in the right moments. And even Old Boy, I'm, you know has those quiet moments when it knows to do that. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, that's, that's all I'm saying here is that like ultimately Kevin Smith's directing style, which is, you know, he's directed a lot of comedies. He plants the camera uh, works with this stuff. We talked about it in, um, in Tusk as well. He does the, when John Goodman wakes up, it's just one shot on him. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's, it's just very nice and quiet and simple And he lets the scene play out and he doesn't cut a lot. And it's just like um, we've kind of lost that a little bit. Um, And we had been losing it during this time. So it was nice to see it in this movie in 2011 where we're getting like Michael Bay, you know? Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. That's all to say that like the simplicity of the way he's directing it uh, works really well for me. Yeah. and the the, the, like he's there's intent behind it there's it's not it's not like uncomplicated but it's definitely very straightforward in how he's shooting it and that's i think that's good
0: yeah i agree
1: yeah um we were talking about how they compare (laughs) Uh, both movies have a silent character (laughs) really grasping at straws they do ralph garman yeah (laughs) um ralph garman doesn't say anything you didn't notice that?
0: No, I didn't. It
1: was it was intended as a joke, from what I remember hearing, like them on podcasts, because Garmin is known for doing impressions.
0: Yes, yeah.
1: And so this is, I think, the first movie Kevin Smith put him in. So he was just like, "All right, no lines for you."
0: Uh, that's <laughs> yeah, like, he that's like some, some silent. That's thing. like Mel Brooks' silent movie, where like the only person who speaks in silent movie is a famous mime.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I think that's just a very funny little, little joke there. Um, and yeah, Silent Bob, you know? So there you go. All right. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. I'm done with comparisons.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, and the, obviously the obvious comparison where it's about the, Yeah, I mean, we are, religion. Just, we are it's about religion. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. I do, man.
0: I think this movie just expands it to include nationalism and like I said, is more focused on the evil uh, side of, of dogma and in terms of religion and nationalism.
1: Right. Um, Yeah. I don't know if I have anything else to say. I
0: don't. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, My,
1: my only other thing is I wish I'd seen, I want John Goodman and more Kevin Smith things, because I think he... We've talked about actors who can and can't do Kevin Smith lines.
0: Goodman can, for sure.
1: Goodman can. Um, it didn't even feel like... like Again, it's more muted, but I want to see him do like stupid, like full-on, full-blown Kevin Smith lines. I want to see how he'd handle those. Oh, yeah, that would be um, pretty funny.
0: It is funny yeah. that like, Kevin Smith goes almost Coen Brothers in his writing for Michael Parks.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean... The, you know, the writing they're and, all inspired by each other. Yeah, you know, I know. It's just the other.
0: writing in this and Tusk are very interesting to me. Um, anyway. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and like this was around the time he did Clerks too, right? And yeah, um, like he had already 2006,
0: done. 2006,
1: yeah. Yeah. I always think in the making of that movie, they have a behind the scenes video of him having Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez over to see a screening uh, at his house. And um, I feel like they were all like at the time, like I think he had probably was like, I want to do something a little more. Like, I, I think he was just a little inspired by those guys wanting to do something a little more intense. Um, and it's just a very funny video. Cause I don't know. I I'm pretty sure there's cocaine in the room. Cause there's like one shot of them all just like standing in a doorway, just chatting about the movie. And you can tell like one of them was tr- like on his way to leave. And then they stopped and then they're, they're talking for like 45 minutes. It just feels like a bunch of guys who are like really high Talking about movies. That's delightful. It it looks insufferable, insufferable. But
0: yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Oh, to be a fly on the wall.
1: Yeah, (laughs) to be (laughs) a really bummed out fly on the wall. My point being that uh, yeah, I think this was like at the time he was probably like ready to do something different, uh, and I'm glad he did. Yeah. Um, Well, shit. I think that's an episode, right?
0: I think we did. I think we did everything we were contractually obligated to do. Yes.
1: That's good. Thank you, Nerd Numbers at Nerd Numbers, uh, the person who made this happen. um, Our next episode will be, I think, Jane Solid Bob Strike Back. Is that correct? Maybe. I want to look at this. Are you asking me? Yeah, I mean, I'm asking. Yeah, Um, yeah. I'm almost certain it's. Let's see. We did Red State. Yeah, it's going (laughs) to be Jane Solid Bob Strike Back with Cop Out.
0: Uh, (laughs) Oh man.
1: Yeah. Also, if we're doing two more after that, not not the greatest matchup. Zach and Mary make a porno and Jersey Girl. <laughs> Sorry, that's that doesn't seem like the, uh, there'll be that many connections. But we'll see.
0: No, I actually can. I can envision a connection already.
1: Oh, sweet. Yeah. Okay. Cool.
0: Um, but we'll discuss. All right.
1: Well, this was through our Patreon. Patreon dot com slash gamefullyunemployed. G A M E. F-U-L-L-Y, Unemployed. Uh, Check us out. We have, uh, for $5 a month, we have exclusive podcasts, such as Tom and Jeff Watch Batman, Fox Mulder's a Maniac, Star Trek The Next Futurama, and Spielboys. We also watch movies every Friday night with our patrons, uh, and there's all sorts of tiers on there. We have a Discord community as well. Check it out.
0: Check that out. Also, we have a store. Head over to GameFleetEmployed.com, where you can find a link to our Teespring store, where we have all kinds of cool original artwork and designs you can get on T-shirts, mugs, stickers, posters, all sorts of things. So, slap your cellophane wrapped peepers onto that. Yes. I went dark with it did, this time.
1: You did. Well, you know.
0: Slap your it's hollowed out Kevin Pollock peeper onto mm. that.
1: That's something we can all celebrate.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Kevin, Kevin Pollock getting, Kevin Pollack shot, getting, shot, in the getting face. shot right through the face Yeah. after no more than three minutes in the film. <laughs> it's perfect.
1: Perfect idea. So,
0: they set up this. R- rapport between him and Goodman, where like, oh, okay, these are going to be the two guys. Like, we're going to follow these two guys. Nope, nope. Right. Kevin Pollak is dead.
1: <laughs> right. I actually, I had that suspicion because I was like, they're not going to get Kevin Puck for this whole movie, right? I mean, they you got John, for Goodman, John Goodman, Goodman for this whole
0: movie. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, but like, he's pricey. It's like, ah, oh, no, they got him for one scene.
0: I think Melissa Leo was nominated for her Oscar this same year, or maybe the year Damn. before. Yeah, she she for the fighter. It was actually the year before. It was 2010, I believe.
1: Wild cast.
0: Yeah. Anyway. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Noise, noise, noise. Smoking weed, smoking weed. Doing Coke, drinking
1: beers.